of the kingdom. I, we couldn't put that together fast enough for the Amway Center, but they got some really cool video of the Amway Center imploding. Uh, I actually watched quite a few baseball games right inside that Amway Center and saw some monster truck race kind of things there. And uh, it's fun to watch buildings blow up, isn't it? <laughs> You're like, what's that about? <laughs> what's that building? Walls come tumbling down. This morning we're beginning a four-part series entitled The Circle Maker. But before we get into our message this morning, I want to just say happy Father's Day to all the dads. And we have, we have a very special little gift just for you, just to kind of help you remember that you're a dad. If you're just a guy, you get one of these two. And if you, I was informed today that if you're a single mom today, because you do both dad and mom, you're going to get one of these two. So if that's you, just raise your hand, ushers, if you could come at this time. And you can hand out our little gifts. Are you guys ready to go? You guys ready to hand out your gifts? Got the gifts? All right. They're coming. We're looking for them. We're looking for gifts. Guys got their hands up. All right, guys, put your hands up. Here come the gifts. They're coming your way. I'm keeping my hammer because I want my hammer there. And while the ushers are handing out, guys, just keep your hand up till you get your gift. While the ushers are uh, bringing your little tool there, kind of reminds you that uh, a man's work is never done. Uh, women, I want to really encourage you, next Sunday night, 6 p.m., right here, we have Mr. Johnny Rivers, and uh, he has a great testimony of what God has done in his life and his business. Listen, if men don't understand the, biz, the purpose of their work, if guys, if you know some friends out there that are just trying to make a buck and trying to make it happen, they need to hear coming Johnny Rivers. Johnny Rivers is going to tell his story, and it's going to be exciting. We have our own chef, Mike Boyla. Mike, come on, raise your hand right back here. Mike's going to be cooking our, for us next week. And uh, we'll be doing brisket and all kinds of good stuff. And so, guys, make sure. I think we even had some steak cooking. Any of the guys get a little taste of steak on your way in today? Come on, that's pretty cool. How many churches you went to today, and you got a free piece of steak, man? A little Costco sample. All right, amen. So we ha want to make that available. R women, I would really strongly encourage you to do that. Circle Maker Small Group starting this week. All kinds of sign-ups. I implore you. I'm like Paul the Apostle on my knees. I'm begging you. Guys, this next, even if you can only make one, one small group in the next four weeks, maybe make two Wednesday night. There's groups meeting during the week all over the, the, the Seminole County area. Make yourself available. Put, let this word get into your heart. That God has called you to be a circle maker. I really, really strongly encourage everyone here to be part of that. And uh, we're going to receive our offering. We didn't forget to take an offering today. We're just going to be receiving it at the end of the message. You know, back in the day when uh, fathers uh, used to have to wait out in the waiting room. Now, my first son was born. We didn't have to do that. But back in the day, it used to happen. I understand that when I was born, my father actually waited in the, in the waiting room for the nurse to come out and, and tell him what my mother had. Well, back in the day, uh, there were uh, some guys waiting out the, in the lobby. There were actually four men waiting out there. And the nurse comes, the first nurse comes out, and she finds the dad, and she looks at him. And she says, congratulations, sir. You've just had twins. He goes, twins? Awesome. Well, that's kind of odd. I work for the Minnesota Twins. Just a couple minutes later, the next nurse pops her head out, and she sees the next dad, and she walks up to him. And she says, well, congratulations, sir. You just had triplets. And he's, triplets? Wow, that's, that's really interesting. I work for 3M. And just a couple minutes later, the next nurse comes out, and, and she sees the, the other dad, and she makes a, a beeline right over. She says, sir, congratulations. You just had quadruplets quadruplets he says wow now that's really interesting i work for four seasons hotel just a minute later the last nurse comes out she finds the last guy out there and all of a sudden you hear a clang and a bang and a crashing to the floor a writhing in pain this guy starts banging his head against the wall and everybody runs over gee well what's the matter what what's the matter what's happening he looks up and he says, I work for 7-Up. <laughs> that was just free. Stand with me this morning. 
I want you to turn your Bible to Joshua chapter 6. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture this morning. Really, this is going to be the foundation for our series in Joshua chapter 6. Uh, we also have made available for you this morning a little prayer guide. And uh, I encourage you the next 21 days, go th- use this journal. If you, maybe you already have a journal. If you're not used to journaling, if you're not used to writing your prayers down and your thoughts to God, we're just making this available. You can take this home on the back. We're actually, one of our messages, we're going to be talking about setting prayer goals, getting really specific in our prayers. So I would encourage you. We've got so much stuff for you to take today and to remember, but we want to encourage you this morning. We want to do everything we can to help you grow in God. We have two passages of Scripture. The first one is found in Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6, we're going to look at two Scripture verses, and then we're going to turn to Luke chapter 18, verse number 1. Luke chapter 18, verse number 1. But Joshua chapter 6 is one of the most famous stories, if you've been a Christian for longer than a couple of years, in all the Bible. Because it's the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho. I want you to read verse number 11 and verse number 15 with me. The Bible says, so he had, Joshua, had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Everyone say circling. Circling it once. Then the people returned to camp and spent the night there. Just look down a couple of verses. I want you to look at verse number 15. And the Bible says, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except on that day, the seventh day, they circled. Everyone say circled. They circled the city seven days. And then if you have your New Testament, I want you to turn over to Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. We're going to read one verse. Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus mentoring, teaching, explaining encouraging, coaching, motivating, challenging, all the things that a good leader does. Jesus teaching his disciples about this thing called prayer. Luke chapter 18, verse number 1. And the Bible says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they must keep praying until the answer comes. They must keep praying until the answer comes. I want to give you a quick definition, and then we're going to talk about a story. I want to give you a quick definition of what a circle maker is. And we're going to be talking about this for the next four weeks. Because I believe when you begin to get this into your spirit, when it moves from your head to your heart, your earthly reality will really begin to change. Your Christian life will be going from just making it and barely hanging on to one of victory, one of overcoming, one of seeing some very specific things happen as a result of your prayers and of your faith i believe that this is not going to be a summer slump i i believe the next four weeks has the potential and the power to revolutionize your life as we learn and discover what it is to become a circle maker our definition of a circle maker is a person who is relentless in praying through until god shows his answer for our particularly situation or problem for our particular situation or problem. A person who is relentless in praying through until God shows his answer for a particular situation or problem. Let us pray. Father, I thank you this morning that your spirit is here. I thank you that you have already ministered to us by your grace and by your power. And Lord, I pray for every heart to be open, every ear to hear spiritually. But I pray that it will move from the intellect and the mind to the heart of man for it is with the heart of man that we believe and it's with our mouth that we confess so i pray at the confession of my mouth lord i pray your grace today i need you help me today one more time to communicate the truth of your word i ask this in jesus wonderful name amen you may be seated this morning by circling we mean you keep praying until something happens by circling in prayer we mean Keep praying until something happens. Now I have in my hands a hula hoop. Oh, you guys are smart this morning. (laughs) Paying attention. I got in my hands a hula hoop. I'm going to drop this little hula hoop. I'm not going to. I thought maybe we could have a little exercise class this morning. I'm afraid to even try it. I don't know if I can get around one time. I'm going to stand in the middle of this circle. I'm going to stand in the middle. It's just symbolic. When we are 
teaching and when we're preaching and we're using symbolism like circles. We're not talking about formula here. This is not a magical formula. This is not like we're going to go out and draw a bunch of circles and, and all of a sudden things are going to start to happen. This is some, not kind of some spiritual experience. We're using a, a, a natural symbol or a natural sign to represent a spiritual reality. Jesus did this all the time. Jesus was the master storyteller. The master storyteller. He used signs and symbols all the time to explain heavenly issues to bring them to an earthly reality. Uh, if you read the book, and uh, we really encourage, we're making the book available. It's $10. It's normally $14.99 or something like that. But we're making the book available. We got it out of discount, and, and we're offering it to you today for 10 bucks. Listen, guys, the book, I, it's been a long time since... I've read a book where in the first five chapters I had more pen marks and more highlighting than I've had in a long, long, long time. Uh, this young man who wrote the book, Mark Batterson, he's young because he's two years younger than me. He's 47, I'm 49, so he's a young man. But this man wrote this book, and he has lived this. He has lived this. This has been his personal experience of understanding the dynamic of prayer and God answering in his life. But he begins his book with this story about a man by the name of Honey. You'll need to read the book to hear the rest of the story. But Honey was relentless in his prayer. Honey was relentless in his prayer. It was a desperate time, and the people were in a desperate place. But there was one man who was willing to pray. There was one man who was willing to stand. Young Christian, I come to faith in Christ, and I begin to feel a stirring in my life. That God wanted me to do something. Uh, as a young believer, I, I would go to the church and where I learned how to pray, where I learned how to talk to God, where I learned how to read the Bible was by me taking the initiative to pursue God. I became a God chaser. I chased after God. I went after God. I didn't understand. I didn't know how to pray. I, I remember when I first started praying, it seemed so confusing to talk to my father, call him father. Okay. I mean, I remember thinking this, okay, Father, but I got my dad. I don't know about you, but when you first start these spiritual experiences and exercises and things that we Christians, we crazy Christians do, sometimes it doesn't always make sense. I begin to pray. and I begin to ask God to teach me. I begin to learn how to worship. I learned how to worship by reading the Bible, just by opening up the Psalms. And I'm not going to jump out of my circle yet, but David would dance unto the Lord. I remember reading, David danced unto the Lord. So I got in my, and the, there was no one around. No one in the auditorium. I was all by myself. And I was in that auditorium, and I'd jump. I didn't know how to dance for God, but whatever kind of dance, I was trying to dance. David would shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. I would shout unto the Lord. I began to read prayers in the Bible, begin to practice prayers in the Bible. I, I began to understand that there was this dynamic of the spirit that I was entering into that had the power to do things that I'd never seen happen before. After being a Christian for a couple of years, I felt a strong stirring to go to school, and I ended up in a place called Portland, Oregon. The one year I went to Bible college there, and it was the, it was the most challenging. I thought, you know, my past life was challenging. I had some of the bumpiest experiences that I'd ever had in my life. I was misunderstood. I, was, I, was tr I felt treated wrong. I, I mean, my very first day when I lived in Portland, I, I pulled into this campus. I got out of my car, and uh, Portland is, it has two rivers, the Willamette River and the Clackamas River that, that, that kind of run through the city, and they have these old pulp mills. The Northwest, you know, back in the day was the big uh, lumber producer and paper producer, and they have all these pulp mills located along the river. And I got out of my car, and the smell of pulp being refined is the stinkiest, nastiest. I'm like, whoa. I remember getting, I go, whoa, where am I at? How did I get here? I went in. They got me checked into my dorm room. And my very first night in the dorm room, I'm laying on the top bunk, and I'm, I'm in this little, I mean, I had my own two-bedroom apartment. I go from a two-bedroom apartment to a little tiny room that's about 10 by 6. And it's going to share it with another guy. And I'm looking around thinking my closet back at my apartment was bigger than this room that I'm going to be sharing with another guy for the next year. And I'm laying in this bunk and about half an hour into the bunk, I'm just laying there. All of a sudden, bam, something happens and the bed literally falls in right on me. I'm like, man, I am in the wrong. I miss God. I'm not supposed to be here. Well, I made it through the year. It was a challenge. But I told God, I'm never going back to that place. There's a bunch of crazy people there. 
But that summer, I began to seek God for direction in my life. And I would go up to the church every day, and I would pray, and I would seek. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? And I just kept feeling, go back to Portland. No, God, I'm not going back to Portland. No, God, I'm not going back to Portland. No, God, I'm not going back to Portland. You see, when we pray, when we pray, sometimes we are so short-sighted, we think that it's all about us. We think it's just all about our will. Yet, and it's not about our will. You've got you to hear this today. This is why this is not a magic formula. This is not, it's not something you just pray whatever you think you want. And, and I, I remember years ago, we had this woman in our church, and she was a nice lady, you know, and a pretty nice lady, kind of nice lady. But she was an okay lady, and she had a picture of Mercedes-Benz on her refrigerator. She was claiming a Mercedes-Benz. I remember this. I remember thinking, well, to get a Mercedes, I think you have to go to work. And neither her nor her husband seemed to be able to work very long. Not in network work very long. I don't think they ever worked. And their way of getting money was going out and asking other people in the church to help them. I'm thinking, I don't think Mercedes, I don't think that prayer, I don't think that one's going to work. Why? They'd heard a teaching, they'd heard a truth, but the application, doing their part, never quite set in. Now, God supersedes that. God is funny. You know what God is funny? God sometimes just like to goof everybody up. Sometimes God answers people's prayers because everybody else thought their request was so stupid. God just says, you know what? At least they were stupid enough to ask. I'm going to go ahead and give it to me. I mean, you can't figure God out. Isaiah says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Stop trying to figure them out. So this isn't a formula. But what this is, is something that bursts in your heart that you begin to realize that there's a reality and the dimension of the supernatural that allows you to live above your present circumstances hear me today persistent prayer very few people enter into this dynamic very few christians enter into this dynamic the story for me was that i ended up going back i said god i'm not going i ended up going long story the shortness of it is that i ended up meeting my wife i ended up meeting my wife come on amen best thing that ever happened in my life see i had a will I had a will, that wasn't my will, but God had a plan. God had a plan. Several years ago, City Church, we had just moved into this property. We had just literally purchased this property. It was in, it was in 2004. Within a couple of months of us purchase, purchasing this property, a guy that had purchased the 13 acres that surrounds this church purchased the property that surrounds here in a tax lien. About two and a half of those acres, not quite three, not quite three of those acres are are buildable, they're dry, but the rest of the property is all wetland. And uh, he came to me, and he had picked up the property in a tax lien for $35,000, $35,000. And uh, he handed me this little little brochure here, and it was nice, and he had all these, and he had a great big, I mean, great big soil booklet thing, and all these plans, and all these things that you could do with this property, and all the kinds of opportunities that were available. Uh, but there was one small problem. It, the price had now gone from $35,000 to $428,060. You're like, what? Now, come on now. You just bought the three. I mean, it's gone up to 428000 And I'm like, nah, 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 But we, you know, hey, we really, th- well, well, you know, we're going to buy, buy the property. It's always good for churches to buy property, more land. We're out of parking space. The reason we're doing the Millennium Campus, we're, we're, we're enlarging our tor- territory. The reason we're stretching out is, we believe God wants us to be more influential and make a greater impact and more souls to be one in the city. And so land is always a good thing to own. And, always, and so we prayed. We prayed, we prayed, we prayed. And we met as a team and we made an offer of $330,000, which he instantly rejected. Rejected. So went on. We moved on with our life. And uh, here it is. Fast forward 2012. We had no idea what would happen in the marketplace. We had no idea the property values would not only go in half, 60, 70, some places, property like that. The guy that ended up buying the property paid over 430000 He paid 460000 He went into bankruptcy. He lost everything. There are lawsuits on that property. There are all kinds of stuff that's all tangled up in legals and liens. And, and I just, I remember, I, my wife actually handed this because she was going through some old paper. She handed this paper to me today. And I thought, thank God that he didn't answer my prayer. Come on, thank God that he didn't answer my prayer. Come on, amen? Sometimes being a circle maker means that you pray even when you don't know what the outcome is going 
to be. Joshua, Joshua did have a word from God. Joshua did have a word from God. I want to talk about this this morning. I want to talk about this word that Joshua got from God. See, we're going to look at three things this morning. First, we're going to look at the wall of obstacles or the walls of opportunity. The walls of obstacles are the walls of opportunity. In verse number one, I want you to see what the Bible says. The Bible says, now Jericho. Now, quick, you know, Israelites leave Egypt and they're called of God to go into this territory that God had promised to their father Abraham 430 years before. And they're, and they're on their way now. They've been slaves in Egypt for all this time, but they've been set free. They've crossed the Red Sea and Moses has gone on and, and the other guys that were with them, most of them have passed on. For a, for a wrong reason. And Joshua and his cousin Caleb. His friend Caleb are left to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Joshua is a great example. I, I, I built the very first series of messages that I preached at Sandy Church back in 1998 or 1999. Was on the life of Joshua. Because he's such a great example for you and I today. Of a man who lived in victory his whole life. A man who was a circle maker. A man who didn't limit God. A man who had a large vision and a large perspective. But Joshua, on his way to the promised land, had some obstacles. Obstacles in, for, in their time, in, in, the, in the history of Israel in this generation, were cities that God had commanded them to go in and possess. Cities like Jericho. Jericho was a formidable city. It, it was about it wasn't very big. It was about... 13 acres as far as communities or cities go. But in that ancient part of the world, it was a large city. But what it was known for is that it was impossible for other armies to penetrate it. The walls, I, I looked this up, but the walls were almost 50 feet high. Uh, one of the walls was over 30 feet wide, and the other one was over, uh, was over 15 feet wide. They were huge walls. They were massive walls. But they had gates. And the only way into those communities, the only way into the city of Jericho was through the gate. But the gates had been shut. You see, the children of Israel had a destiny. They had a destiny. Their destiny was on the other side of that wall. They knew what God had in store for them. They knew the plans that God, because God had laid it out for them. You can read the blessings in Deuteronomy 28. Oh, God says, I'm going to bless you, make you the head and not the tail. You're going to possess the land. You're going to live in victory. You're going to destroy all of your enemies. You're going to be, I mean, you're going to be prosperous above all the nations. And it's not because you're anything, but because I'm everything. And you're my child and I love you. God had all this in store for them. Cities that they would not build. Plants that they would not farm. But they had a problem. They had a, a wall that they had to get through. See, you are destined by God. You were created and called by God Himself. You were made in His image. He loves you. You're the apple of His eye. You're special. You're peculiar. You're peculiar, but you are special to Him. Oh, He has awesome things in store for His people. Not easy things necessarily. It's very seldom easy. I, I, I said this this week. I, I was thinking about this. I said, you know, the stories are great to tell. They're just not always easy to live. You know, the stories are great to tell. Well, we did this and God did that and this showed up and they, they, they just tell really good. But I remember when I was walking through it, it didn't feel so good. On the other side of this wall, on the other side of this wall was their destiny. But they had some issues. You see, in our reality, the spiritual reality, we have walls in our lives. Many times that keep us, that keep us from entering in to everything that God has for us. Entering into the abundant life. Not just, I mean, this financial thing where it's just, it's just, that's a small part. It is, it's an overflow of joys and joy and peace and love and forgiveness and hope. That's the abundant life. The abundant life is to be able to forgive people who ears, ear, easily irritate you. That's the abundant life. The abundant life is to be able to control your tongue when you just feel like telling someone what to think or saying a curse word, just do what you usually do. The abundant life is when the Spirit of God is in you and now you're able to start to rein your tongue in. That's the abundant life. 
when you've always had a struggle with lust in your life and you're struggling with images and things on the internet and all of a sudden God's spirit fills you and gives you power. You realize that you don't have to be enslaved to that any longer and, and you can live free from that and start to experience the victory and the joy, the knowing the presence and the power of God without always groveling and feeling like you're a slime bag. You see, that's the abundant life. That's the abundant life. To have your bills paid, food in your stomach, your children loving. My children loving and serving God. My children loving and serving God. My children loving and serving God. Come on. That's the abundant life. But we got our part in this thing. There was a wall. There was an obstacle. It's on the other side. You see this wall. Challenges that pop up in our life. It isn't always just addictions or alcohol. It could be those things, but your kids are sideways. You experience depression. You got hurt in your marriage. You're struggling with anger, drugs, finances, physical sickness, and all these things. All these things become walls in our life. Walls to keep us from entering in. From experiencing the victory and the and the blessing that God has for his people. You see, but it's the challenges, it's the problems that make us into circle makers. It's the challenges, it's the problems, it's the adversities that you and I experience that make us into people like Joshua who will stand and believe. It's just that's the reality of it. It's because in that place, in that place when the problems are coming and the adversity is coming and the challenges are coming and we realize you know what i can't do this thing this is way beyond me i need god to show up it's in that place that we learn to get on our knees it's in that place that we learn i was telling the staff this week there's an old testament passage about this one old boy that was about ready to lose his life and he ran into the temple and the bible says you know that there was these that what they called the horns of the altar the place that they could hold on to and he ran into that temple into the inner temple and he said i'm holding on i'm not letting go of the horns of the altar i'm not letting go until i touch god i'm not letting go till something happens in my life i'm not letting go Walls and obstacles this morning are the things that God uses in our life to cause us to become circle makers. Standing in the parking lot on I-4 and 434 of an old run-down motel about the second, third year or so into the starting of City Church, wondering why I left everything I left, wondering why it was so hard, wondering why life had so many challenges. Wondering why this church plant thing just wasn't so easy like I read in the books. Generally, what you read in the books isn't what really happened. You know, you get the glory, you just don't get the rest of the story. Come on, you get the glory, but you don't necessarily get the rest. And I'm standing out there telling God, God, what are you doing? Why is this happening? Come on, anybody ever had a conversation with God before? Just kind of wonder. You called me here. God, you chose me. God, you appointed me for a purpose. God, you called me. And the only thing I knew how to do was to pray. I had no solutions. I had no idea where we were supposed to meet. We were meeting Wednesday nights in this old movie, uh, in this old hotel, and uh, they had a bar, right? There was this bar. We walked into the hotel, and there was a bar there, and they had a piano. They had an old crooner. And every Wednesday night was Irish night. And this old crooner would wear his green leprechaun suit, and he'd play the piano, and he would croon out Irish tunes. And our little built, our little room that we met in to sing and to praise Jesus. You know the funny thing? It was Irish night over in the bar, and the guy leading worship for us at the church at the time was Irish. Like I don't know about you know, I don't know about some of this sometimes. And I remember knowing the only thing I had left to do was to pray, going into my house and. Going into my bedroom, and I, I had a little closet. It was a pretty good-sized walk-in closet. I would shut that closet door, and I would take a pillow. And I would lay on that floor, and I would cry out to God. God, I am not leaving this place until you bless me. 
God, I'm not leaving. I can tell you, I remember the place and the time. Laying on that floor, shababa, I mean in the pillow, because my, my wife said she could still hear me all over the house after even praying in the pillow. When was the last time something in your life caused you to say, you know what, I really need to get a hold of God on this thing. I really need to pray until I know that I know that I know that I know that I touched heaven. That's what circle makers do. In Joshua's generation, in Joshua's generation, there were six million people that left Egypt. Three million of them were adults at least. Three million of them. And out of those three million, only two took the risk to become circle makers. So I don't know how many years I'm in the faith now. Got really good saved. I mean, I've been around the church, in the church, out of the church, around the church, upside down in the church, in the back of the church, out in the parking lot of the church. I mean, I've been all around the church, but I mean, really in, you know, since November 17th, 83, right? So many every years that is, almost 30 years now. But I can tell you, very few people enter in. Very few people press through till they see the victory in their life. I thank God for counseling. I thank God for all the things, all the techniques and stuff we have to help people. But there is nothing like you doing business with God. I mean, even if you don't even, you're not even sure that he exists. Just get, God, do you really exist? Are you really there? I mean, even if you're at that place in your relationship with him, just going after him. Joshua, there was a wall, there was an obstacle, but Joshua saw it as an opportunity for God to show himself strong. We have a person on our team, on our staff. You know her. She serves this church. And the reason, the reason that she's part of this team, and she, her and her husband are with our church now for almost eight years, but the reason that she's part of the inner circle leading this church into its future is because she's a circle maker. She's a woman that knows how to touch God. And she's going to come and tell her, us her story about God working her life as a result of being a circle maker this morning. Okay. She's changing the I'm, stories on me. I'm standing in this circle right here. Okay. There's a lot of details to this. So I'm going to leave most of them out. So just going to go for it. I have a daughter who's had a daughter, so my granddaughter. And my daughter's rights to my granddaughter, her rights were terminated. So this, my granddaughter was going to be adopted by a family, a lovely family, I knew very well, close friends, was perfect situation. And then my granddaughter's um, father, some second cousin showed up and said, we want to adopt her. They did not, they live in another state. They had no relationship with her. They did not know her. And they were obviously very unfit parents. But it was a blood relative. And the courts... They, they like blood relatives, <laughs> and it was a very terrifying situation. And uh, a, a home study had to be done on, in their home in Kentucky or wherever it was. And uh, I remember getting in this circle at home, praying. And I honestly, I had to listen to Joyce Meyer tapes because she, I remember this, the, the one I listened to was about about how you can't allow your emotions to affect your, pray, your praying. And it was something about emotions and having to keep your emotions in control because I was, I was terrified to think that my granddaughter could end up with this unknown family who did drugs and all sorts of other stuff. And it was just, it was terrifying. And I had to keep my emotions in control. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And when I went to court... And they said the home study showed that they were an unfit family. I was like, I, I had no words. I mean, I can't even explain. The gratefulness in my heart was so huge that I couldn't, I didn't even have words to express my thanks to God. But I stayed in that circle, and I absolutely would not give up. And Amen. because exactly what you said, it was, it, when was the last time something was that important to you? It was so important to me that nothing was going to get me out of that circle. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a big hand. There's a problem. 
God has a promise, and there's always a plan. Problems are what make you into circle makers. Hot water is what God uses to help you stay clean. The challenge to you and I today, the challenge of moving past the obstacles, see them as opportunities to take the next step of obedience. To take the next step of obedience. I want you to look at verses uh, 2 and 3 with me. I want you to see what God tells Joshua. Look at verse number 3 with me. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in the front. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. What is this walk? March around the city seven times. And on the seventh day, do it seven times. Six times. So six days, seventh day, seven times. You know what God was doing? God was testing their willingness to obey. Because see, faith is not moved by what it sees. But faith is moved by the word, unchangeable, unchangeable, incorruptible, powerful word of God. Jesus said, all this is going to melt and pass away, but my words shall abide forever. It's my biggest challenge. This thing from my head to my heart. To believe. To see. See, Joshua had a vision. Joshua knew the promises. God had clearly spoken to him. I want you to go to Jericho. And I want you to possess this city. But it's impossible, God. You don't understand, Lord. Our army isn't big enough. We don't have enough money. We're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. We're not good looking enough. We came from the wrong family. We have too many addictions. We have too many hang-ups. We have all these, all these excuses. And we end up like the Israelites, who the Bible said they saw themselves like grasshoppers. Little tiny grasshoppers, just jumping around. Little tiny grasshoppers. We can't quite reach it, God. But not Joshua. You see, Joshua heard the word of the Lord. He heard God's word. And what did he do? He put the armies to flight. He said, okay, I want the warriors in front. I want the priest in the middle. I want the trumpets and all the stuff that God says. And I want the front guard and the rear guard. And at that time of day, when I tell you, I want you to march around the, march around the city. Now listen, real faith always acts. People say, I'm a person of faith. I'm a Christian. But there ain't no acts. There ain't no, there ain't no walk. There's no love, there's no forgiveness, there's no generosity. Nah. Nah, because Jesus said, if you love me, you will do the things that I command. What did he command us to do? He commanded us to love. He commanded us to forgive. He commanded us to give. He commanded, I mean, all kinds. Oh, that's Old Testament. No, 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 that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Jesus. But when you begin to understand that it's not you, when you begin to understand it's not just about your will or your plan or your purpose, but it's about God's will for your life, you begin to walk it out in obedience. And the only reason that City Church even exists today, that no matter how challenging and how difficult I felt, I kept showing up. And if I didn't show up, my wife hit me with the stick and she drugged me up there and she made me show up. No, wait, I mean, come on. Joshua, he kept moving forward. He kept walking. The Bible says it was by faith the walls of Jericho's fell. It was real. It was real, genuine. The people could see their faith. But the people thought it was ridiculous. When you say you're a Christian, the moment you really say, that you come out in the workplace and you've been kind of, you know, quiet about it. And I worked with a lot of guys that didn't want to tell anybody they're Christian because they weren't acting like it most of the time. And so they wouldn't, you know, they never tell anybody that. But when you come out and put your life on the line and say, I'm a follower of Christ, people will start watching everything you do. Oh, oh, you call yourself a Christian and you said that? Ooh, you're not a very good Christian. Come on. I've been there. You call, and you did that? You said what? I mean, all of a sudden, not everybody, but there's enough of those kind of guys because they know what Christians are supposed to be like. Come on, right? Out there. When you are ready to do the ridiculous for God, God will do the miraculous for you. 
When you're ready to do. Every single guy in the Bible that had the wall come down in life, God almost always asked them to do something ridiculous. Almost always. Hey, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and say, let those six million Jews who are building, you know, your pyramids and all your palaces, just go ahead and let them go. Yeah, right. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But he goes and does it. Hey, Moses, now you're up to the Red Sea, and I know they're just chasing you from the back, and it looks like they're going to kill you, but I just want you to lift your rod up, and, you know, and, and when you lift your rod up, the sea's going to part, and you're going to walk on dry ground. And everyone said, ridiculous. Come on. I mean, oh, Joshua, march around the walls. Can you imagine the people inside Jericho? What a bunch of nimwits. Yeah, bring that trumpet over here. Let me show you what I'm going to do with that thing. Or wrap it upside your head, one side the other, and down the other. I mean, think about it. When the world looks at believers, you go to church and you give how much? Ridiculous. I mean, it's faith in the eyes of the natural carnal man always looks ridiculous. But when you get ready to step out and say, God, I'm willing to do whatever ridiculous thing you've asked me to do because I want my walls to come down. Guess what? God shows up and God shows off. Hallelujah. Oh, I mean, you just read the stories over and over. And I can tell you, it was ridiculous to come here. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous. To, I mean, whatever. What Almost everything that God's asked me to do, sometime in the natural, just didn't make sense. You do what? You see, be, because we move like little children, just believe that God could do anything to become an adult. And all these experiences in our logic takes place. And instead of prayer, we start to reason, try to figure it out. We're not, you know, we're going to work this out. We're going to pull out our visa card. We're going to borrow from that person. We're going to do this and go to this counselor and listen to this strategy. No. It doesn't work that way. Mm -mm. You see, it goes from ridiculous to understanding that you're relying not on your own strength, but on God's power. It, it, it wasn't Joshua's strength that was going to give him the victory. But it was Joshua's faith that was put into action that God saw. Hey, there's my boy. Come on, there's my boy. He's asking for something ridiculous. He's asking for something crazy. That is just insane. That is crazy. That is stupid. Joshua stands before the people. He says, all right, guys, you're not going to believe this, but the Lord has given us this city. Well, wait a second. The wall, the Lord has given us this city. The Lord has saved my child. Well, you know, my child doesn't serve God. The Lord has saved my child. Come on. The Lord, the Lord has given me victory. The Lord has provided for my... Well, wait a second. I don't have enough food today. I'm sitting in a home and I'm 11 years old and there's no food in the cabinets and I'm crying on my bed and wondering where our next meal is going to come from and saying, God, where are you at? And why is this happening in my home? I don't understand all the dynamics of a marital breakup. I don't understand why we don't have any food. And all of a sudden, someone knocks on the door with bags of groceries come and bringing them into my house come on the lord will provide and supply your needs you got to hear this today the lord has given you this city your walls will come down but you got to define it you got to define it for joshua it was jericho the walls were going to come down the more specific you are in your prayers the greater potential and the greater power that God generally releases. We pray for a lot of things, and God wants you to pray through most things. We pray for, God's saying pray through, pray through, pray through. Keep walking. Don't stop. When you're going through hell, don't stop. When you're going through hell, don't stop. When you're going through, come on. When you're going through it, don't stop. Don't stop. Keep pressing, keep praying, keep believing. You see, either we pray prayer circles around our problems, around our circumstances, around our children. Either we pray circles around our finances, whether whatever it is, whatever the either we pray circles around it or we walk around it. Big difference. We keep walking, keep circling, just keep circling the same. Always have this financial struggle. Always have this marriage problem. Always have this kid problem. Always have this job. 
can't seem to hold the job. Whatever it is, either we pray through on it, or we just kind of keep circling the same issue. Children of Israel, 40 years. Six million. Only two guys made it in. Keep walking around. Keep walking around. God's made a promise today. There was a problem. God made a promise. God had a plan. God had a plan. This morning, it's time. It's time. It's time. What was the plan? Joshua, I want you to get a front guard, and I want you to get a rear guard. I want you to put the priest right in the middle with the Ark of the Covenant. I want those guys to have some trumpets. And then on the first day, I want them to start walking around a 13-acre city. I want them just to start walking around the city. Oh, don't make any noise. Just let those people inside of the walls of Jericho think you're a bunch of religious, kooky Christians. You're a bunch of Holy Ghost rollers down there. What are you doing giving all your money to the church? All the church wants is your money. Come on, start walking those walls. Start walking around that city. Well, we walked one time, Lord. No, I said seven times. You've got to walk around. Okay, God, next day comes. Same, same setup, same plan. Get the priest out. The ark represented the presence of God. You know how God shows up in your life on a daily basis? When you begin to worship the moment you open your mouth and begin to give God praise, guess what he does? I inhabit that. I feel that. I live in that. I dwell. Well, we're going to do it one more time, God. Come on. We're going to get our exercise, boys. We're going to march. Look at those crazy people. What are they doing? And so they do it a second time. Oh, boy, I better start running here because we're running out of time. And so they do it a second time. And they do it a third time. And they do it a fourth time. And they do it a fifth time. And they do it a sixth time. And then on the seventh day, on the seventh day, one more time. One more time. Oh, come on, boys. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Joshua standing with the armies of Israel. Joshua standing with the priest representing the presence of God. All right, boys, this is our day. And seven times they begin to march. And on the seventh day, on the seventh time, Joshua lifted up his voice with the shout. And he said, take charge for the city is ours. Yes. Come on. Come on. And the walls came down. And the walls came. You got to hear me today. Listen. The walls came down. Some of you, you need some walls coming down today. Stop mucking in the mire. Time to get up on your feet. Say, it's time. It's time for my walls to come down. Let's worship. Come on. Worship. Lift your hands right now. Come on, right now. Let's worship. His presence is here. His power is here. His power, His presence, the walls. I prayed this morning for you. Hear me today. I don't know what you're going through, but I was up said, oh God, I know some people keep coming here with the same stuff. Tired of the devil ruining their families. Tired of the finances being a mess. God, there's some people at City Church. They just need to know it. God, you've done it for me. Please show them that you can do it for them. There's some people in this room right now. You need some walls to come down in your life. You need your walls to come down. Jesus. Wow. Jesus. Joshua had to do something. He had to obey. He had to take that step. Because he had to do what God asked him to do. He had to do it. He had to step out. You've got to obey. There's just no other way but to trust and obey. And obey and obedience is the pathway to blessing. Here's the thing about obedience. You're not doing it by your own power. It's not by your own power. You're not, this is not, it's, this is the power of God. It was God that brought the walls down. Joshua did his part, but it was God's spirit and presence and power that brought the victory. And for you today, it's not by your own power. Walls aren't going to come down. Walls aren't going to come down just because of you. They're going to come down because of him. And he loves you. And he's going to work through you got to do your part. you got to forgive. Jesus says, listen, if you don't forgive, a wall's never going to come down. So they said this against me, and they hurt me, and they did this. If you don't forgive, the 
wall will never come down. You want change in your financial reality, but you can never quite figure out that the Bible says bring the tithe, the first tenth, the first fruits. You can never quite figure out that one, how to make that work. And then you wonder why, well, I know, but I won't have enough. And God says, will you trust me? That's the only command that God says, I promise a blessing upon you. Well, oh God, you, you don't understand. I've had this, you know, my mother did this and she did that. And, and so I have the same issue and problem. And I was born Irish and I was born Catholic and I was born Protestant and I was born yellow and I was born a Martian and I was born this and this is in my heritage. And God said, baloney. My spirit comes in you. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things become new. See, walls coming down today. Our ushers are going to come. We're going to receive our offering. I want you to be seated. Ushers are going to come. We're going to receive because some of you need to take that step of obedience. You need to take this step of obedience. Say, God, this is a step that you want me to do. Right now, as the usher, just go ahead, guys. We're going to receive our offering this morning, and you guys know how to do this. Go ahead, pass the buckets. We've got to pass the buckets. Go ahead, Chuck. The Holy Spirit speaking to hearts today you've made your, your offering you tie that you got a little yellow card you can go to your website if you weren't ready this morning you can go to your website we have a, a give button on there you can obey the Lord and you tithe in this morning but you're here today the last little thing there is I said I want you to name your circle I want you to name your wall because you're going to draw the next four weeks we're going to get real specific. Maybe in your, I don't know what it is. I mean, for everyone, I got my own, I got my own wall. And I'm naming my own wall. And you don't have to even tell anybody. This is between you and God. You have that little, that little handout that I gave you this morning. That last little thing is, I want you to name your wall. I want you to get really specific. And in the next four weeks, we're going to go after this. We're going to be like Joshua and Jericho. We're going to march around the walls. We're going to march and we're going to believe and we're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to do what only he can do. By the power of His Spirit. Father, thank you for every person that's here today. Right now, Lord, you are ministering and speaking to our hearts. God, I thank you for your grace. And I thank you for those in this room that need walls to come down. They need walls to come down. And you're in this room. You're hearing my voice right now. You know there's something in your life the next four weeks you want to see God move supernaturally in. If that's you, and I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on in this room right now. 